Ford's house, amen? He has uh, not disappointed. He's shown up in a mighty way. I know he has to me. If you've missed it, then I'd, I'd do some checking up this morning. I really would because he's here. You can, you can feel him. You can experience him. And everything is just wonderful this morning because of God. Because God chose this morning to meet with his people. Praise the Lord. And, uh, man, he is worthy this morning. Uh, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word. Open up to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus in the boat? Is Jesus in the boat? I hope he is. And if he's in the boat, and you've got something to shout about this morning. You've got something to shout about this morning. As you're making your way to Luke, I want to give you a recap of what we looked at last week. Last week we looked at the really the fruits of obedience to the Word. You've got a light that will shine. Uh, no man uh, purposely hides uh, a light, but men will produce that light and they'll allow that light to shine when you're a child of God you will shine a light uh, so uh, a fruit of obedience uh, what Jesus says when that seed falls on good soil you're going to have some light that comes about we've also learned that we do what we do what we do in our heart will one day be revealed openly all the secret things that we think are secret will one day be made manifest will be brought to light, and God himself will do that. We are to take heed of how we're listening. Jesus tells uh, the crowd there, his disciples, he tells them, uh, be careful, take heed how you hear. Be careful what you're listening to. And when you get something good from the Word of God, dwell on that, because the more you know about the Word of God, the more that he's going to give you. The less you know about the Word of God, the less he's going to give you. He knows everything we're going through. He knows the pain that you may be feeling, the struggles you may endure. He knows the discouragements you may have. He knows about the storms that you're going to face. But Jesus is promised to be with us every single step of the way. Tonight we're going to look at, uh, when you come back tonight, you know, as I said, when you come back tonight, we're going to be looking at the thought of His omnipresence, that He's everywhere, all at the same time. But God knows what we're going to face God's not losing any sleep over any di difficulty this morning, amen? I know I've lost sleep over di difficulties. I've lost sleep over troubles and trials. But Jesus has not lost an ounce of sleep because he doesn't need any sleep. He never goes to sleep. He knows what, what we need. And so we don't need to be anxious over our problems because Jesus knows how to solve them. And that's what we're going to look at this morning of Jesus being in the boat. He knows what you're going to face. Already he knows what you're going to face. But by way of introduction, I want to read verse 19 through 21. I thought about just hanging out there for a little bit, but I'll just give you an introduction of what's going on. It says in verse 19 of Luke 8, Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Now, if you're just reading this verse, you're thinking, wow, that was pretty mean of Jesus to say. Luke puts this particular story after the sower of the seeds and things like that. Other passages put it right in front of it. If you were to go over to Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, go ahead and go over there because I want you to see this for context's sake. 
uh, why did Jesus say this? Jesus is really talking about new relationship here, that when you hear the Word of God, you have a new relationship, and when you have a new relationship, you become family to God. And so Mark chapter 3, in, in verse 21 uh, following, and it really goes on to verse 30, uh, verse 30-something there, uh, but Mark chapter 3, uh, just notice verse 21 with me. He says, when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. In the same context, same, same things going on, friends have just said that Jesus has gone mad. All right, and so here's what happens in verse 31. And then there came then his brethren and mother, and standing without unto him, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren are without seek for thee. And he answered and said, Who is my mother? Who is my brethren? Now, what's going on here, just based on the context, friends have come and told Jesus' family that he's gone berserk, that he's gone mad. Now, Jesus' brothers didn't believe who Jesus was. So they come to the place where he is to get him and get him away from what he's doing. And so they're trying to, I guess, impede on what was going on because they hear the crowd saying all kinds of things. And so Jesus is just saying this. He's saying, my family is right here. To anyone who hears these words, you are family. And this morning, if you've heard the word of Jesus, you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, you've given your life to him, you are family to him. That ought to make you excited this morning. We are family this morning. You are related to me. Praise God. I am related to you. Praise God. Not by your blood, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters this morning. Somebody say amen. That's good stuff. We are family because of what Jesus has done. He said, when you hear these words, you are my brothers. You are my mother. He's not saying I'm a mother. He's saying I am family this morning. A new relationship because I heard the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And because I heard the word of God, I have now been adopted into the family of God. I've been born again into the family of God. And there's nobody that can take that away from me. Somebody say amen this morning, right? That's good stuff. Nobody can take your relationship away. You are God's son. If you've given your life to him, you belong to him. You are his son or daughter. There are things that we can do to ruin our fellowship, but there's nothing that we can do to take the relationship away. I will always be his child. Praise the Lord. Warren Wearsby said, uh, talking about this opportunity that Jesus took right here, he took this opportunity to teach another spiritual lesson, that being part of his spiritual family is much more important than any human relationship and is based on the obedience to the Word of God. Being a part of the family of God is more important than any relationship you will have on earth, period. I mean, relationships on earth, I mean, God gave them to us. God gave me my mama. God gave me my daddy. God gave me my brothers. God gave me my family. But their relationship to me is not more important than my relationship to Jesus Christ. Amen? Because my relationship to Jesus Christ guarantees me a place in heaven, a place around the seat of, on the table uh, when we go to eat. 
my, what Jesus did for me, and because I believed in what Jesus did for me, I have a new relationship. Sure, we're to love those who God's put. Jesus is not saying don't love your mother or your brothers or your father or your sisters or anybody. Jesus is just simply saying you've got a relationship with me if you hear the words of God. We're going to go on to the next portion of Scripture because this is probably a more familiar portion of Scripture. And Jesus in the boat. Jesus just uh, was talking and he said, well, these are my brothers and my mother who hear the word of God. And now in verse 22, it came to pass on a certain day. When did it come to pass? I have no idea. On a certain day, sometime after what we just read, that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us, underline that word us if you underline your Bible, circle it, highlight it, do what you want to do. Let us go over to the other side. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake and they launched forth. And they launched forward. The first thing I want you to see this morning about Jesus being in the boat is first he got in the boat. All right, he got in the boat, but Jesus gives a command to his disciples. I can imagine that Jesus is, is getting tired. He's getting worn out. The journey has been long. And so he gets in a boat. He gets in a ship to go and with his disciples to spend some time with them. He did this frequently. A certain day, Jesus entered this boat, and Jesus... I mean, what, what wonderful words these are in Scripture. He says he, he went into a ship with his disciples. I think those are the most exciting words you could ever read in Scripture. One of the most exciting words you could read. He got in the boat with them. He got in the boat with them, and he gave a simple command. Would you not agree that everything is better when Jesus is in the boat? Would you not agree that life's difficulties don't seem to be so difficult when Jesus is in the boat. That he can help us get through these life's di difficulties. That phrase where he just gets in the boat with his disciples is just an amazing and exciting phrase to me. Jesus knew the journey they were going to go on. He knew the troubles that they were going to face. He gets in the boat and he gives them a command. And the command is simple. Let's go over. Let's go over. Let's do this. Now, he didn't get in the boat and said, y'all are going to make it to the other side. He didn't get in the boat and said, I'm going to make it to the other side. He said, let us, plural. He included himself in that phrase. Let us go over to the other side. You know what Jesus just told them? We're going to make it. We're getting over there. We're going to make it. And church, can I tell you, we're going to make it. Everything's going to be okay if Jesus is in the boat. He's already said, let us go over to the other side. John 14 tells us that he's coming again. He's built a mansion, and where he is, we can be with him. Amen. He said he's coming again. He said, I'm going to bring you to the other side. It's time today that we trust his word. He said, hey, disciples, let's go over to the other side. Let's do this. And so, uh, man, Jesus gets in there. He makes a command, and he says, this is a done deal. It's completed action. If you look at all the tenses and things going on in there, it really is a completed action. Jesus already saw them on the other side of the lake. I don't know about you, but my goodness, that excites me. Why, why does that excite me? Because I know today I could face troubles and trials. I know today I could face a storm. But I know that he's already said, 
I'm going to make it to the other side. I'm going to make it to the other side. We ought to be confident in what Jesus has already said. Jesus said, let's go, we're getting there. And he was confident they were going to get there, amen. This was not going to, there was not going to come a surprise that would prevent Jesus from getting to the other side. Nothing would pop up that Jesus was like, oh no, I didn't plan on that one in this journey. He knew about everything, but he already said, let's go over. Let's go over to the other side. Not, hey, let's get in the water and drown in a boat. Now, get this, not every storm that Jesus allows you to go through is going to be calm. Some days the boat even may sink. Amen? I mean, think of Paul. Paul was shipwrecked. He was, a, he was a Christian like no other Christian, but sometimes the water overtook the boat. But Paul was still safe. Even if Paul would have died, Paul would have been safe. Because he'd have been safe in Jesus. He'd have made it to the other side. We're not trying to get it through, uh, to the other side of a problem. That's not why we're living this life. We're not trying to make it to the next difficulty or the next mountaintop. We're trying to make it to heaven. And we're trying to get there the best way we can through Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make it heaven. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. I'm doing my best to live for him on this earth so that when I see him in heaven, I can cast crowns down at his feet. When Jesus says you're going to the other side, folks, rest assured this morning, you're going to get there. That's, that was a good time for amens right there. That was, that was a good time. Yeah, when, when Jesus says, hey, it's, it's done, Folks, you can, you can take the check to the bank and go ahead and cash it today. It's good. You got the best guarantor behind it, Jesus Christ himself. He gave the promise to his disciples. The command was, let's go to the other side. That doesn't mean storms are not going to come. Life is all about storms. Life is all about difficulties. If there never was a storm, I wouldn't know that Jesus could bring me through the storm. There has to be storms in life so that our faith will grow trials uh, help us in our faith storms may rage they may come but we have the promise that we're going to the other side this excites me this excites me how many of you have ever faced the storm in your life i think i think we all can say yes by all means i have faced the storm was it the last storm that you'll ever face probably not probably not what excites me about this fact is when I got Jesus in the boat and he's in the boat because he he came unto me and he called my name and I trusted in him as Lord and Savior now he's in the boat with me he's the captain of my boat I need to be hands off the wheel I need to let him drive because he's got all the control but Jesus is not concerned about our storms I mean concerned like it's overwhelming him storms overwhelm us but Jesus is like everything is okay everything is okay Jesus does not want us to question his command when Jesus says go he wants us to go Jesus said go you into all the world and preach the gospel right but then he said lo I am with you always so when Jesus told us something he didn't say hey go do this on your own and try to figure it out no go and lo I'm with you you do what I told you to do. I'll give you the power to do it. Christ will always help us get the job done. The disciples, what did they do? Did they complain? 
Did they say, well, Lord, you don't really know what you're talking about. Oh, Lord, we don't want to go on the ship today. Lord, why? Why today? Why right now? I've got a function i got to be at. Lord, I've got this family event i got to go to. Lord, can it just wait? No, they didn't say that. Verse 22, last portion of it, and they launched forth. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? Jesus said, let us go. And they said, we're gone. They dropped everything that they were doing, and they said, let's go over to the other side. Folks, it's not for us to question God's commandments. It's for us to just simply obey Him. Obey right away. Obey right away. We need to be obedient to the commands God's given us. Secondly, I want you to see the condition that arose. In verse 23, 23 through 24, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. Now this shows you Jesus was tired. In his humanity, he fell asleep. I can just imagine, how many of you have ever been on a small boat? It rocks back and forth, the wind's blowing, just a slight breeze, just a little bit of, little bit of a sunshine, maybe an overcast day. It's, a, it's cool on the water, and that breeze is blowing, that boat's rocking. If you're anything like me, you're out, right? You snoring. You, you out because some of you may not may get on that boat, and you're like, you're turning green. You're not going to sleep, and things are... You're not going to sleep and things are starting to protrude out of your mouth and uh, you didn't want that to happen and you get seasick. But sometimes you get on that boat, just, it just rocks you right to sleep. And so I see that Jesus got on the boat and he went asleep. You know what this tells me? Now, did Jesus know what they were going to face? Yes or no? Yes, he did. Because he knows everything. We talked about that last Sunday night. Jesus knew what they were going to face, but Jesus wasn't worried. Jesus knew what they were going to face. Jesus knew that the water would even somewhat overtake their boat, but he wasn't concerned. Do you think Jesus knows what you're going to face this week? Do you think he does? Do you think he's concerned or overwhelmed by a problem that we're facing? I don't think he is overwhelmed by anything that we're going through. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knew what was going to happen. He got in the boat and he went to sleep because he already gave the command, Let's go over to the other side. So he went to sleep. Jesus knew what they were going to face, but he wasn't worried in the least bit about the storm. So the first condition I see is the Lord sleeping. The second condition that I see is there came a storm. Notice with me in verse 23 again. He, he fell asleep and there came a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water. And I love how Luke puts it. And we're in jeopardy he's not talking about the game show he's talking about they're in trouble right they're they're in a mess they're in a pickle what are we going to do the lord's asleep and a storm rose and so this storm began to overtake them now it was not unusual for a storm to rise these fishermen have probably seen some storms before but this particular storm had to be a big one it got everybody all excited and all worried and so they begin to panic they begin to panic, and Luke tells us that they were in jeopardy. Now, remember, Luke's writing this on an eyewitness account. And so I want you to imagine me, whatever Luke looks like in your brain, you go ahead and put Luke there in your brain. Everybody got what? You, you, you imagine what Luke looks like? Now, for everybody, Luke's going to be different, okay? Luke's going to some of you, he's going to be strong, he's going to be tall, uh, it's going to be dark, whatever, I don't know, but uh, he's going to be that, that man, or, or, you know, and for some of us, he's going to be, well, he's going to be a tiny, uh, small guy, but however Luke is, you got Luke in your brain, right? Everybody, everybody playing along with me this morning? 
Okay, you got Luke. Now, in the other side of your brain, I want you to get a picture of what Peter looks like. All right, everybody got a picture of Peter? Now, in your brain, I want you to see a conversation between Peter and Luke. And here's Luke. Luke is saying, so Peter, tell me about all the things you experienced with Jesus. Tell me about the time on the lake. Would you please tell me? I want to know about what happened on that lake. So that's Luke. Then Peter goes over and says, we were in trouble. We were in jeopardy, right? He begins to describe the story to Luke, and I can just imagine Luke's writing it down, and Luke puts this word jeopardy there, and he says, man, you are in trouble. Whoever Luke is interviewing, it could have been Peter. I don't know who it is. I'm just using my imagination on this one. It could have been John. It could have been anybody else. So if you want to replace Peter with John in your brain, you go right ahead, and you can have that conversation over again. But whoever's talking to Luke said, man, we were in trouble. It was a dire situation. It was not a good place to be in. We felt as if our lives were in danger or in peril. I can see that scene now. They're on the boat. They've launched. They've they've, they did what Jesus commanded them to do. And next thing you know, boom, a massive storm hits. A massive storm hits. Water's crashing over the sides of the boat. It's coming in faster and faster. Their anxiousness is growing and growing. More water comes on the boat. The storm has already made them forget what Jesus said. What did he say? You've already forgotten too, huh? Let us go over to the other side. That's what Jesus said. This storm already made them forget what Jesus said. It was a done deal, nothing to worry about. They were in jeopardy. Then the third condition I see is panic. Now, how many of you would be where these disciples are right now, panicking? Water's coming in the boat. It's sinking. Maybe you don't swim too well, right? Like, you swim like a rock. You know how a rock swims? just sinks you don't you don't swim you can't dog paddle you can't do anything to stay afloat you're looking for pieces of wood that you can float on maybe you're getting scared anybody getting scared with me you're scared right now you're on that boat especially if it's in the ocean then I'm scared or if it's in the Okefenokee swamp where there's alligators then I'm scared or if something touches my foot while I'm in the water then I'm scared I don't want to swim in water that I cannot see because I get fearful of fish biting my feet. I get fearful of alligators bringing me under. I get fearful of these things, and so I would be panicking. I'm just telling you, my human side would be panicking right now because I don't want to go under. I don't want to go under. But oftentimes these storms come in our lives and we forget what Jesus says. They go to Jesus you know what they say? Help us! Right, that would wake everybody up. Help us! We are dying. Do you care? You know, the parallel passages, he had, they, they asked Jesus, do you even care that we are in peril? Do you even care that we are dying? They declare they are in trouble. But then they had the audacity to ask if he cared. They, they, they say to him, we are about to die. Do you not care about my situation? Is this not what many Christians do today? The storm comes. God's already given us the promise that we're going to the other side. We forget that promise that God's given us. And we say, God, we become like the Israelites. You brought me to this little wilderness to die. 
You brought me out of Egypt. I was all fed and had all kind of water and everything I wanted. But God, you brought me out here to die. And we begin to question God. As if we have any right to do that. God, do you care? If you, do you care what's going on in my life? We forget that Jesus Christ is the master of the wind. He is the maker of the waves. He has promised to, that we're going to the other side. We doubt God can do it. Oh, God did it for the disciples, but can God do it for us? We ask God why this had to happen, right? Anybody ever ask God, don't raise your hand. I know I've been guilty. You know, you're, you're trying your best to live for God, right? Doing everything you can to serve Him. And then, boom, you get hit. Boom, you get hit again. And right? You're asking God, why? I'm doing my best to serve you. God, why is this happening to me? Why is all these things coming about? Do you not care? And Jesus does care. He's just trying to get you to trust him a little bit more. We obeyed. But just because we obey God when he tells us to do something does not mean that we're not going to face storms. The disciples had to learn a lesson on faith. And what better place to learn this lesson than with Jesus in the boat? Was anything going to happen to them? Yes or no? No. Why? How do I know that? Jesus already said, let us, myself included, go over to the other side. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. You're going to come through this storm. Everything's going to be okay. They learned a lesson in close proximity to Jesus Christ. Sometimes Christ allows us to get at our wits end. He allows us to get to our lowest point so that we can really see how great our need is in him. And so what's going on is they say, there's nothing I can do, and Jesus Christ, we need you. This should all teach us a lesson. This should teach us a lesson of we ought to make Christ the first options when we face a storm. Jesus gets up, and you know what he does? I love this. Jesus is not concerned. Jesus is not like, guys, what's going on? He goes in verse 24, they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they what? They ceased. You know, this is amazing to me because he's getting wind and waves to stop at the same time. That's amazing. You know, sometimes there might be a wind, and the wind is what causes the waves sometimes. And so that wind's blowing, making waves. And so usually after the wind's gone, there could still be some waves. But Jesus said, enough! Stop! Rebuke the winds and the waves. And you know what they did? They, they, got, they got quiet. They had to obey Christ. They had to obey him. The winds and waves had to stop because he is the Lord of all creation. Right? He is the God that created the world. He knew that they were going to make it to the other side. This, it brings about the last condition, and that's a condition of peace. All this panic, all this stuff that they went through, they went through all this, and Jesus said, hey, it's okay. Whatever storm you may be facing today, please rest assured that Christ is with you. If you, if you are a child of God, He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't get upset that you're in the storm. Trust the Lord to bring you through it. It'll come to pass. It may not be the way you want it to come to pass, but it'll come to pass. This too shall pass. Trust the Lord. There's the command, first of all. There's the condition, secondly. 
third, there's the correction. Jesus now turns to his disciples and rebukes them. And he simply says unto them, verse 25, where is your faith? Did I not tell you we were going to make it? Where is your faith? J.C. Ryle said this, the lesson now before us is one of deep practical importance. To have true saving faith is one thing. To have that faith always ready for use is quite another. It's one thing to say, God, I place my trust and faith in you. Let me tell you, if God can secure our salvation for eternity, don't you think he can take care of storms? I know he can. He goes on to say, J.C. Rowell goes on to say, many receive Christ as their Savior and deliberately commit their souls to him for time and eternity, who yet often find their faith sadly failing when something unexpected happens. And they're suddenly tried. These things ought not so to be. We ought to pray that we may have a stock of faith ready for use at a moment's notice and may never be found unprepared. The highest style of Christian is the man who lives like Moses, seeing him who is invisible. That man will never be greatly shaken by any storm. He will see Jesus near him in the darkest hour and blue sky behind the darkest cloud. Warren Wearsby said this, faith must be tested before it can be trusted. I love that. Before they knew that they could trust Jesus fully, their faith had to be tested. And they failed the test. They panicked. Do we have faith this morning? If we were to face a storm or you're going through a storm and you've gone to the master and you said, do you not care that I'm perishing? Would he look look at us and say those four words, where is your faith? Where is your faith this morning? I hope he doesn't. I pray that we can learn to trust him more and more. There's the command. Let's go. There's the condition. There's a storm. There's the correction. Where's your faith? Lastly, the conclusion. Latter part of verse 25. And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey. Who is this guy? Right? We've heard him teach. We've heard him. We saw him do many great wonders. And now he's out here on the boat and the waves and the winds. Quiet down. Who is this man? And they begin to grow in amazement. They're beginning to realize that Jesus is the creator of the world. That he is the son of God. He is the Christ. They're beginning to realize that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. They feared God now more than they feared the storm. That's where we need to be. We need to be where we feared God more than we do the storm. The storm God knows about. God knows about. They feared God. The word afraid means to fear a great fear, to be stricken with awe and amazement. They were scared of the storm, but now they're in amazement of who Christ is because they're in the presence of one greater than themselves. Christ's deity was on full display, and with this they are twice as terrified as they were of the storm. They're scared now of what they see in front of them because they know who this is. The winds and waves had no choice but to obey. This morning, we have a choice. Will you obey or will you disobey? That's the choice. 
I, I choose this morning to obey God rather than men, right? I, I choose this morning that we need to obey God. Christ does not always calm the storm. Sometimes he allows a lot of the water to get into the boat. But that doesn't mean he's forgotten about you. He's already given us the command, we're going to the other side. Corey Ten Boom, she was author of The Hiding Place and a survivor of the German concentration camps, said that people often came to her and said, Corey, what a great faith you have. She would smile and respond, no, it's what a great God I have. I don't have a great faith. I've got terrible faith. But my little faith is in a great big God. And I know that he can do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. Our faith in trials should point people toward our great God. Is Jesus in the boat with you this morning? I hope you can say yes beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know that I know that I know I'm on my way to heaven. If that's not you, this morning you don't know for sure that heaven's your home. If you were to die today, you know you'd be separated eternally from God. Let him in the boat. He's tugging on your heart this morning. Let me in the boat. Let me in the boat. We can get through this storm together, but he's going to give you a promise. We're going to the other side. I'm going to bring you safely over. Praise the Lord. I hope this has been an encouragement to you, a challenge to you. I hope this morning that if, if you've neglected Jesus, if your faith is small, that you would find somewhere to pray. Say, God, help my unbelief. You are the God of all creation. Nothing is too hard for you. And, Lord, I give this my life in this storm to you. Whatever God's done in your heart, would you just be obedient to him? We'll ask musicians to come, and we're going to have a time of prayer. And then we'll have a short time of invitation. You follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for uh, everything that you've done in our life. Lord, today, I, I don't know the hearts of people. Lord, I know some people are facing difficult times. I think of Andrew and Anna sitting at the hospital right now. Lord, it's a difficult time. It's hard. And sometimes when the waves are crashing above us, it's hard to see that you're in control. Lord, I ask right now that you would bring peace to Anna and Andrew. And Lord, for anybody else who's going through storms in their life, you know what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would stand up and rebuke the winds and waves this morning. That everything around them will just go calm. And Lord, we'd be amazed at what you can do. God, amaze us this morning. Help us to be obedient to your leading. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The musicians are just going to play through a couple of verses of an invitation. You go ahead and stand. And uh, you do the, you follow the Lord's leadership this morning as he leads. <laughs>